and um, give honor to them in their absence. Um, he is out ministering in Arkansas with him and Sister Jackson. And so our prayers are with them this morning. I don't know what time their service starts, but said a prayer for the bishop this morning that God would use him mightily. And just as he is a blessing every Sunday and every time he ministers to this congregation, that he would be to those he's ministering to today. And uh, ask God to give them traveling mercy on the way back uh, when they get ready to return. Uh, do honor the bishop. John chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. Feel the Holy Ghost this morning. So thankful for what I feel in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. If you would be so kind, if you give me about twenty minutes of your time today, I, um, I don't think that'd be much longer than that. I do feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart. I would have liked to teach something different and I was planning on going that route and and talk to the bishop about it but the Lord just would not release me and this has been in my spirit for some time and so I feel like this is the right direction for this particular service for this hour John chapter 5 we'll start at verse number 1 after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, or the house of mercy, having five porches. In these five porches lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that particular case, he said unto him, Do you want to be made whole? The impotent man answered and said to him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And in verse 8, Jesus said unto the man, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And I'd like to speak to you this morning on just a title, The House of Mercy. The House of Mercy. Would you put your Bibles down with me? And in faith, would you just lift your hands? And would you pray with me together over a word that's going to go forth? Jesus, this is your service. This is your word. It's already anointed. Help us, God, to communicate it accurately as it was written. Lead us and guide us by your spirit this morning. 
God, increase our faith to believe the word that's going to go forth into the lives of your people today. And God, give us wisdom and knowledge, God, and revelation today as it comes forth to our particular house. I'm asking, Lord, that you would remove every hindrance in the house of the Lord today according to the authority in which you've given us by your word and by your spirit that lives in us. And God, I'm asking, Lord, that today you would confirm your word as you so often do, God, with signs, wonders, and miracles in the lives of your people. We know that you will. I believe that you can, and I know that you're able, Jesus, and I give you the praise in advance in Jesus' name. If somebody believes that this morning, would you just put your hands together? Amen. You may be seated. I, <clears throat> I've just got two or three things that really I would like to say. When you read scriptures as these that are mentioned in John chapter 5, you really can't preach it. It really preaches itself. Uh, just simply by reading this passage, it preaches itself. And so there's really nothing really that we can add to this other than to just bring out a few points and believe the word that was spoken in John chapter 5. I I don't know about you, but in this context, the word Bethesda is talking about the house of mercy. And I don't know about you, but in the misery in the day and age that we live in, I'm thankful for the house of mercy. Uh, in the confusion, in the chaos, and the troubling times, and in everything that's happening, I'm very grateful that there still are some Bethesdas, there's some house of mercies around that we can come to. Even when I do or do not live up to my expectations for myself and my relationship with God, or perhaps even if I've done the studying and reading that I need to that week, I'm thankful that when I come in, it's still the house of mercy. And that no matter what I'm facing or what I'm battling at that moment, he never ceases to continue to give his grace and his mercy to his people. The house of mercy. The five porches in this context, if you can believe with me, simply was a rectangle or a square um, building. And in this building, there were columns that held up these porches, these individual porches that the lame and the blind and the impotent folk would go to. It was a place of shade. It was a place of covering. It was a place where they knew that one time, somewhere mercy was going to be shown on all the individuals that were in that place. But in verse number three, it says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of waiting rooms. I can't stand waiting rooms. It is my least favorite place to be other than H-E-B. I don't walk into H-E-B. I don't go to H-E-B. I don't step foot into H-E-B because me and H-E-B just, you don't have a connection together. I don't know how to look for spices. I don't know how to look for the one thing that my wife says that we need that I can't even pronounce what it is. So I'm not going to go in there and frustrate myself going to H-E-B. But waiting for the moving of the water, I, I, I don't like waiting rooms. And I'll tell you a story. It was 
a couple of, I would say maybe two years ago now, my mother uh, was getting in her car after service. And she went to reach back into the back seat. And when she did, her shoulder fell out of socket. And uh, I remember them rushing in, and some of the ushers were so kind to go and pray for her and see what attention that she needed. And some of the nurses and the doctors uh, that, that we have here um, went out and they took care of her. And they're like, all right, you need to go to the doctor. And so I took her right after church down to this, this doctor or this hospital right down the street. And by the time that we had already got there, because her shoulder had been out for so long, her fingers and her hand were already nearly purple and blue. And so I knew it was getting really critical at this time that they needed to see her. And so I get her in the wheelchair, and I, I move her in. Now, this is the emergency room, people. So in, 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 my, in my thinking, you go there for an emergency. You don't go there if you've got a scrape on your knee and you've got a Band-Aid on there or if perhaps, you know, your fever is 99. You take medicine for those things. So she's in this wheelchair and she is nearly about passed out. Her face is blue and her hands and her fingers were getting really severe. And I, I stroll up to the, um, the front desk and I didn't think that I had to really give a lot of information, you could look at this lady and see that, hey, there's an emergency here. We should probably do something. And the lady just looks at me and she goes, um, what can I help you with, sir? I said, well, we kind of have an emergency here. It's, we're in the emergency room. Um, and uh, I said, my mother's um, about to pass out. I said, her uh, shoulder's been dislocated for some time now. I'm a little concerned about her fingers and her hand uh, when they put it back in and how long it's been out. And she said, well, And she hands me a clipboard. If you would be so kind to just fill out this information. And after that, have a seat, return it back to us, and we'll call you when we're ready. Waiting rooms. And it's not just, hey, sign your name. My mom's nearly passed out. I don't know her social. I don't know her history. And I'm thinking, you really want me to fill all this information out at this time and have a seat. You can tell we are in an emergency situation. So I take the clipboard back and I go up there and the lady just smiles at me and she said, have a seat, sir. We'll call you when we get ready. I was like, are you kidding me? And you know waiting rooms. Hey, I've been in with my sick kids. Waiting rooms are not a fun place to be. Everybody's angry, everyone's frustrated, kids are just going everywhere, and everyone's mad at the people who are at the front desk, and the front desk doesn't really seem to care, and it's just not a good situation. It's kind of like when you take your car for an oil change. Who likes going to take their car for an oil change? Brother Thompson, bless you a thousand times this morning. I will call you next time I need my cars to have an oil change. (laughs) Because it is the same process. You know you need new oil. You need a new tire. You go in there and you sit down and it's the same thing. How long do you think it's going to be? Well, I'm thinking about two hours. And you know, waiting rooms, they never have the good coffee. There's always a ladies talk show on. You know what I mean? I mean, if it was Sports Center or something like that, I could probably get engaged a little bit, just being honest. But it's always a ladies' talk show. Coffee's always out. There's no sugar. It's, there's no room to sit. You know, you don't got time to plug in your device. It's just waiting rooms. 
And you go there and, you know, they, they tell you, we'll, call, we'll get with you in about two hours. Okay. And while you're sitting there, two hours has come and gone, and it's now two and a half. And the last word that they said to you was what? We'll call you when we're ready. And you always think, are they really going to call me? They probably just have my car back there. You know, it's probably been done for an hour. They just haven't called me. Getting to a point here. But in our impatience, the first thing that we do is say, you know what? Spend two hours. I'm going to go check on my car. I know you said you would call me when it's ready, but you know what? I, I just can't wait any longer. I need to go and I need to find out what's going on with my car. Same thing that day when I took my mom to the hospital. I waited them to call us for nearly 30 minutes after we got there. And I was getting so impatient, I'd go back and I'd say, hey, just remember, yeah, that's my mom over there. She's passed out. Fingers are blue. Shoulders out of socket. You know, we're just waiting. It's the emergency room. Sir, we'll call you when we're ready. All right. Yeah, I'm just letting you know. We're still here. That's the people that you checked in. You know, we've been here for a while. But that is us. And in this scripture context, they were waiting for the angel to come and trouble the water. And in our life, sometimes the situations that are most uh, at need or, or there's emergencies or needs in the house, a lot of times, just like they were in this context, they were in a waiting room at this house of mercy. They were sitting there and they were simply waiting. The scripture doesn't say that the season was yearly, that it was monthly, that it was weekly. It just said a certain season. And they're sitting on these porches and they're, they're in this waiting room, so to speak. And they're just waiting on the troubling of the water. And in our lives and in our situations, we have got to be careful that we don't get too impatient. Because God knows all things and he knows all time. We need to continue to pray. We need to continue to believe. We need to continue to reach out and do the things that we know to do instead of turning to God and saying, well, you know what? Because it doesn't happen now, I'm going to get up and leave. When you're in the hospital and I'm in that situation with my mom, I'm not going to say, hey, you know what? Because you didn't wait on us in the time frame that I said, we're going to pack up our stuff and go. Where are we going to go? Who's going to help her? I needed to be at the place that could help her. And a lot of times that's how we are is we are waiting for God to meet our needs. And there are, there are needs in here that are particular. There are needs in here that you need God to meet right now, this moment. But if we're not careful and we get impatient, we'll pack up our stuff and we'll leave and we'll try to find another way to figure these things out. And God is saying, if you'll just sit still and you'll stand there and you'll wait for my season, I will do everything that I said I would do. Let me take it a step further. If we were to go to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, I want to read this simple scripture to you this morning. I'm going to wait until they, they get it up there for me. Thank you so much. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard from me. In the upper room, we don't know nearly how many hours they had prayed, how many days, how many weeks. We don't know all the details. And Jesus never said specifically what day that promise was going to come. 
He said, you just go up into that upper room, that waiting room, so to speak, and you do the things that I've commanded you to do. And when I'm ready to pour out my spirit, you'll know that I did everything that I said that I would do. We've got to learn to tarry a little bit, to wait a little bit, even when it's uncomfortable, even when the need seems like we need God at this moment and this time and right now. We've got to learn to tarry a little bit. And I'm telling you this morning that God is going to trouble the waters for some people in the house of the Lord today. God has seen your faithfulness in your waiting. God has seen your attitude in your waiting. God has seen your prayers in your waiting. God has seen the things that you've committed to in your waiting. And today is going to be the day where the angel of the Lord comes by and touches the water in your life. Sister Williams, this morning when I'd asked you to lead corporate prayer this morning, you had made mention of the weariness in the body. I think it's evident on all of our faces we're weary. I think it's evident on a lot of our faces there's needs in the house of the Lord. I think it's evident that we've come to the house of mercy today asking God to meet our need because we're in a very needful situation at the moment. And today, I promise you, simply because I heard the Lord speak to me clearer than I ever have before, God's going to trouble the water in your situation today. But I want to read out this scripture, and I'm nearly there, believe it or not. For an angel went down at a certain season. Everyone knows the scripture in Ecclesiastes. To everything there's a season. There's a time and a purpose under under heaven. I can't tell you why God heals someone on one Sunday and doesn't on one Sunday. I can't tell you why your need seems to have gone not met, but yet God has seemed to meet the other needs of the people in the congregation. All I can tell you is that you are in in a particular season that God has you in. And when God is ready to move and he says that that season and that time has come in your individual life, then guess what? You'll get the need that you've been praying for. What we've got to learn to believe and trust in is just as though when fall comes, we believe we begin to see the leaves change color. We got to be looking at the water and in the waiting room and not getting frustrated, not getting worried about what's going to happen to to this or to that or anything else. But we've got to stay focused and say, "Okay, God, I'm watching the water, and at the moment that this season changes in my life, you better believe I'm going to be the first one up. I'm going to do whatever I can to get down." into that pool to make sure that this season in my life is met, my need is met. You got to feel when the seasons change. You can't be disconnected and feeling when the seasons change. You can't pack your bags up and go somewhere else because you won't be in the waiting room. And if you're not in the waiting room, you can't see the water. And if you can't see the water, you don't know how to get to the pool. And the pool is waiting on some of you this morning. The angel of the Lord has come by and he's touched it. And in our lives, we don't even know. But God is moving us. He's ready to meet our needs. 
I want you to turn to somebody and say, it's my season this morning. Just turn to somebody and say, my need's going to be met today. A few years ago, I would be so, and Bishop uses this word, I would be so intimidated to preach something like this because I can feel in the congregation the resistance even right now. And I would be scared. I'd be thinking to myself, oh, you missed it. I know exactly where I am. I can feel the tension, and that's when I know that this is exactly what needs to be said today. And I can tell you that growing as a minister, I don't have to wow anybody. I don't have to have anything come together. This verse of Scripture preaches itself. I just want you to believe that today can be your season. I just want you to believe that the angel of the Lord has troubled the water in your life. Not because this young man has said anything, but I'm telling you that God is about to answer the very prayer that you've been praying for. Why don't you just believe it that God's going to do it today for you? That's all that the word has to be said and has to be done. At a certain season. We don't choose what season it is. I don't choose who's preaching it when the season comes. I don't choose if Bishop is here or Bishop is not here. I don't choose any of that. Because this ain't a one-man thing, church. There's a, there's a God up in heaven that is mindful of every need that is represented in this house. And you've been in the waiting room for some time. And you've been faithful. And you've continued to pray. And you haven't lost heart. And you're still here. And guess where you are? You're at Bethesda, the house of mercy. At a certain season, at a certain time, God is going to move today. I wish somebody would just clap their hands and just believe it in faith that today when we pray, this is my certain season. I'm telling you, church, I don't feel any pressure. I don't feel anything. I know exactly in the Holy Ghost where God is trying to speak to some of you. would tell you that the word is true. I want to get somewhere in just, just a moment. In verse number five, it says, A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. And I want to talk to the church family very openly in just, just a moment about some things, about some issues. Some time now, there's been some people in our in our church. You haven't been battling some with something for three, four, five weeks. It's been years, and we often name out the big boys: fear, doubt, sickness, disease, cancer. Well, I want us to go a little bit deeper this morning because I'm going to tell you that the angel of the Lord has troubled the water and he's going to touch some things. I want to talk about anger. You see, even though it it was a baby dedication Sunday last week, 
bishop hit so many things with the family. Unbelievable. There, there's been some broken homes for a long time. And it's not disease. It's not sickness. It's not fear. It's not unbelief. It's some of the ones, some of the ones that we often don't name. Anger. Depression. Unforgiveness. Envy. Frustration. So we got it hid from the body. But just like what I know goes on in my home, you know what goes on in yours. Undisciplined. In fact, I wouldn't, I'm going to even further to say, and I'm not killing the service by any means, I'm just speaking the truth. There's some, you've been spiritually dead for such a long time, and you know it. And yet the manifestation is in our homes. The manifestation is with our spouses, it's with our kids. We've bound them up and tied things up and we don't even know it. And I remember when you spoke to that. It was so much revelation to me. I had, I'll never forget that moment. We don't want to talk about these things. But yet just as this man had an infirmity for 38 years, 38 years, there are some things that we've covered over year after year after year after year. In the house of God, we don't, we don't like to talk about anger and unforgiveness and pornography and all the things that are very prevalent in our world today. We don't want to deal with it. Because if nobody knows, then it must be okay. You know better than that, and so do I. Yet you're in your waiting room. You want God to free you. You don't want to battle that anymore. I'm telling you this morning, at a certain season, which happens to be today, and in, in some of the lives of the people, the angel of the Lord has troubled the water. And those of you who've been looking to be freed and delivered from some of those things that you've even hidden from your spouse and from your kids and that nobody knows in secret that you battle with, God is going to move today. I'm going to tell you why I know this. It's because it's not that we are bad people. It's just we don't want our business spread abroad. People who are dealing with any of the things that we had talked about just a few minutes ago or even things we didn't discuss, they've prayed and asked God to deliver them. They want to be delivered. I really believe that. But it's been so long and so many years. Now it's just a part of who we are. And in that waiting room where you've been for some time, and those things that you're battling with, I'm telling you that the angel of the Lord trouble the water in just a few moments and when you step in God's going to go to work He's going to go to work because it's not the will of God for the people of the Lord to be captive, to be bound to feel like we have to live in secrecy for the things that we're really battling with God wants us to be free.
He wants us to be free. If, if they would come, uh, please. I don't know who's playing. Thank you, Brother Lane. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie, I knew that he had now been there a long time in that case. He said unto him, will you be made whole? I love that. When you go to the doctor, you usually tell the doctor your symptoms, and then they diagnose you. Jesus already knew the diagnosis by just simply looking at the man. And Jesus knows what we need just by looking into our hearts. He knows exactly where we are. That man didn't have to go down the line and say, well, you know, for 38 years I've been this and I've been this. Jesus looked right in his heart and said, I, I know you've been in that case for a long time. And he just asked him a question. What do you want to do about it? When we made whole? You want to be made whole? Want to get out of all that? You want to taste see that the Lord is good I'm going to walk into your home with peace today it can happen the impotent man, man answered him and said sir I have no man and the water is troubled to put me in the pool but while I'm coming another steps down before me it was an excuse he simply told Jesus what do you think? <laughs> this way for 38 years, man. I'm not making an excuse, but I can't even walk. I'm going to get in the pool first. I'm helpless. I'm friendless. This wasn't a social club of people who were all messed up that were laughing and joking until all of a sudden the pool started moving and shaking and all of a sudden they got serious. These people had been messed up. They were helpless. They all gathered in the same joint because they were all doing the same thing. They all had the same need and nobody else could help them. So why don't we go on to the house of mercy and just wait. And perhaps each day that I wake up, it could just be my season. And that's where we are with the issues that we really face is we're helpless. Even if we shared them with our spouses, they still could not help us. Even if I was honest with my kids about the things that are messing with me, it still would not help me deal with me. I find myself in my own waiting room. We're the same position, this man, and God is saying, do you want to be made whole? And, and, and in our mind, the answer obviously is what? Yes! No, I don't want to live this way, Lord. Hello? I've been dealing with this for 5, 10, 15. You put a year or day on it or a year on it, whatever. What have you been dealing with? But I have to turn to the Lord at that moment. And I say, Lord, I'm helpless. I do want to be made whole. I do want to rid myself of this. And I'm helpless in this point. And so I need you to make me walk for the first time in 38 years. I need you to help me get over anger 
which I have tried to control myself and to no avail. I need you to remove the stumbling blocks. I need you to set me free. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, and I'm closing with this. As they go there, I'm going to continue reading this verse of verse 8. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. See, we know God can do it. We know it just takes a moment. He took up his cot to prove to everybody else that he indeed was whole. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him. Who's the him? Jesus. That is able. Would you just say he's able? Unto him. He's able. I want to read this out of the Amplified just a moment. If you'd stay prayerful with me, I'm going to close. Folks, I think you know me by now. I'm not casting any stones on anybody, but I'm telling you. At some point in time, on some Sunday or Wednesday, we're going to have to deal with our junk. Because if not, you're just going to carry it around. Your faith is going to end up dwindling. You're going to feel like there's no hope anymore. Because again, the face that we all put on here and including myself, he doesn't tell the real story of who we really are. The real story is at home. The real story is when I don't have to be the assistant pastor, when I don't have to be the husband, when I don't have to be the father. That's the real Charlie Moore. And I'm finding, I'm finding that I'm having to reinvent myself through him. Because there's a lot of junk in here that's still wants all my attention but to him in in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and to super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our even highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. I'm going to go a step further this morning, and I'm just going to take my liberty in the Holy Ghost because I feel like God just pushing me in this direction. But your thoughts and your hopes and your dreams, they are not dead. You're going to have to find out whether you want to deal with that junk or not. Because eventually, they will kill your dreams. They will kill your hopes. And this morning, I'm telling you that the Lord that you serve has invited you to the house of mercy. And in your waiting room, you've been in for some time God has knocked on the door today and said it's a season change for them 
Angel, I need you to go trouble the water in the life of so-and-so. Today is their day. It's their certain season in the house of mercy. As I close with this, this is not just a story. Doing some research on this place called Bethesda, I found something very interesting. In 1888, repairs were being made on St. Anna's Church in the northwest section of Jerusalem. When what seemed to be a large reservoir of water was located, Professor Conrad Schick, who was consulted, organized an expedition and uncovered the entire area down to the Roman level, revealing two large pools with five porches and numerous fragments of columns and capitals, all in Roman style. But evidently somewhat later than the time of Christ, there were steep winding steps leading down to two pools, And on a prominent wall of one of the porches was a faded mural painting of an angel in the act of troubling the water. We read the scripture and we think, this really happened? They found the place of House of Mercy. Where I believe with all of my heart, one of the very people who was in that waiting room that was in need of God, had a certain skill. And after they came out of that pool, their way to give thanks to God and to everybody else for the rest of eternity was to draw exactly what they saw was when they seen the waters begin to move, someone saw the angel of the Lord begin to trouble in the water and they begin to get down in that pool and God begin to do a work in their life. And what I want to tell us this morning, if you would stand with me all across the building, It's just on that day when a certain season and an angel came. I'm going to tell you that in the spirit today, you can go ahead and draw it for those of you who are artists. But on the 22nd of May in the year 2016, in the spirit, in this congregation, there's an angel of the Lord that has walked in and he has troubled the water in the house of mercy. And you can write it down that God is going to touch those who decide to step in in this moment, in this time, right now. And so I invite you this morning to pray, to come and to step into the pool. It's your season. It's your time. God has troubled the water in your life. Sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, God has troubled it for you today. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. This is relationship. This is you and him. I'm bringing my junk, Lord. I'm bringing it all to you, and I'm just laying it at your feet today. I think some of us need to be really honest in the house of the Lord this morning. You know I've been dealing with this for this long, Lord. And I'm helpless. 
if you don't intervene, there is no other way. I challenge you to be honest with yourself and God right now in this moment. Ask yourself who you really are. The things that we've concealed for so long, Lord, we surrender them to you in the house of mercy today. Show mercy on us.